Thriving in divorce and beyond means not having to worry about the safety of your children when it comes to co-parenting. With alcohol abuse on the rise, many co-parents are turning to the system committed to providing proof, protection, and peace of mind. Soberlink's alcohol monitoring system is the most convenient, reliable, and reasonable way for a parent to provide evidence that they are not drinking during parenting time. Soberlink's real-time alerts, facial recognition, and tamper detection ensure the integrity of each test so you can be confident your kids are with a sober parent. With Soberlink, judges rest assured that your child is safe, attorneys get court-admissible evidence of sobriety, and both parents have empowerment and peace of mind. Pull back the curtain on the mysteries of parenting time and trust the experts in remote alcohol monitoring technology to keep you informed and your kids safe and secure. To download the resource I created with Soberlink, Divorce and Addiction, A Guide to Move Forward, visit www.soberlink.com backslash Susan. Coming up on today's episode of the Divorce and Beyond podcast. And if you do a 15 to 20 minute video chat with somebody, it takes what was formerly two-dimensional, maybe some pictures, some words on an online dating profile, and suddenly you're watching this person move. You're watching how they talk. You're watching their energy. You're making sure nobody was knowing their messages, that you're actually dating the person who you thought you would be. You can see what their background looks like. Video dating is an amazing pre-qualifier. Hello, and welcome to the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host. As a top divorce attorney and family law mediator for 30 years, I know what you need to know to get through your divorce, and most importantly, how to move beyond it to thrive and transition to your new future. My experts and I are here to give you the insider view into the process, so listen in for the wisdom and expert information you need on your journey through divorce and beyond. Hello and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host and listeners. Special, special treat today. Guess who's back with us? Bella Gandhi of Smart Dating Academy. You guys have met Bella several times before, but I'm so delighted to have her back today because we have a really, I'll say, hot topic or several of them to talk about in dating today. But for those of you who are new to the show or who have not listened to some of these uh, episodes in the archive, let me just tell you all about Miss Bella. She is and truly is America's favorite dating coach. That's like my favorite phrase. She is the founder of the Smart Dating Academy. She has been helping people find love for, it's more than 15 years now, right? Or 16 years, Bella? It will be 14 this October. 14, but but the really key part, she doesn't tell everybody this, but she has been doing this for almost 14 years she has gotten countless couples together that have, people have found love, gotten married. This woman goes to weddings all the time. Zero divorces. Zero. In a world where the minimum divorce rate is 40 to 50% for first marriages, and as you all know, 67% and 73% for second marriages and third and above, 
zero marriages from Smart Dating Academy. So she's also the host of the Smart Dating Academy podcast, where I've been a guest a couple of times as recently as two weeks ago now. We had a great episode that was so much fun to talk about. We, um, I had posted this on my Instagram. There was recently a study that came out that said what the number one reason people say their relationship failed was. And as a divorce attorney, you know, I hear why... Re- relationships fail all the time. I thought I knew what it was when I saw the headline, and I'll tell you right now, I was wrong. And so we talk all about that. Go back and listen to it. I will, of course, put the link in the show notes. You have also seen Bella on Good Morning America, Today, Kelly Clarkson, Steve Harvey, and more news outlets than I can list here, or I just do that for the whole half hour. She has a fantastic viral TEDx on love and elevator people, and I promise you, once you watch it, you will understand why Bella is the very best of elevator people. As I mentioned, she has been a guest with us on Divorce and Beyond many times before. She's coming back in peak dating season, which is coming up. We'll talk a little bit about that. But bottom line, I also want you to know she is one of my bestest friends and the nicest people, nicest person. And I just am thrilled that she's here with us again. And we're going to talk about the hottest topics in dating and divorce right now. So Bella, welcome to Divorce and Beyond. Thank you. Oh my gosh, I'm blushing at your introduction and you were totally amazing and absolutely one of my besties. So when Susan Guthrie says, hey, Bella, can you come on the podcast? You say, heck yes, I'm very honored to be here. So thank you for having me. Uh, Well, it is always, I've been looking forward to taping this show all day. I have to tell you, I went out, I already knew, I'll be honest, some of the hottest topics in dating right now, because I watch you every time you're on Good Morning America. And so (laughs) you and Michael Strahan, that cutie, I see you guys there talking about just so anybody who doesn't know, Bella has a little teeny, teeny crush on Michael Strahan with that cute smile of his. It might Um, be a medium sized crush. Let's all be honest. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> might be and medium. It might be, might be. Um, she also has a fabulous husband, Andy, who uh, who's able to put up with and deal with the fact that his wife might have a uh, medium-sized crush on Michael Strahan. He might uh, have a crush on Michael Strahan himself. So I think we're he's like that neutralizes. It's all good. Most <laughs> most men do have a crush on Michael Strahan. Michael Strahan. I think you're right. If I ask David, he'll, he might say the very same thing. I'm sure he'd uh, be like, oh, yeah, you could go out with him or I could go out with him. <laughs> Which one? Exactly. <laughs> Maybe that's one of the hottest topics in dating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, Mutual freebies for yes. both of you. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's if that's dating or if that's something my audience is, is ready for at the moment. But I do know, and maybe we could start off with uh, the topic that I heard you talk about most recently on Good Morning America, and that was beige flags. Now, we've heard all about red flags and we've heard about green flags on some of our other episodes you and I have done. I have, or I had, until I saw you on the show, I had no idea about beige flags. And I had no idea. In the dating world, Susan, new vocabulary terms come up on a daily basis. Oftentimes, it's cute, catchy Twitter phrases that are put on something that's been happening since the beginning of time in dating and relationships. Beige flags, very interesting trend that was spawned on, you and I know it, TikTok. 
And so it's got, you know, I don't know, a gajillion bazillion views on hashtag beige flag. So beige flag started out last year, meaning eh, I went out with someone who's boring, beige, vanilla, hashtag beige flags, you're boring. Nobody wants to be a beige flag. But now, as TikTok does with enough people duetting things and so on and so forth, beige flag actually has come to mean it's it's not a bad thing necessarily. It's an endearing quirk or let's say a fun fact about yourself or the person you're dating. For example, you might be driving and scratching your head going, wait, I'm lost. So hashtag beige flag. My boyfriend, when we watch horror movies, he puts his head in my shoulder and covers his eyes. Hashtag beige flag, right? You would think it'd be sweet little old me who'd be, ooh, scared at the horror movie. So that's a beige flag, flag, fun fact. So that's more of what it is. Now, what you have to ask yourself, and this is what we talked about, Susan, on GMA, is could a beige flag turn to a red flag? Isn't that interesting? Yeah, yeah. And what will turn it to a red flag? I think if you're sort of with someone and you're seeing these beige flags where you're kind of like, I'm not sure if that's cute or if that's annoying. That's how I'm taking a beige flag. Is there something that you should be doing in that moment to start thinking about, am I leaning more toward annoying or toward cute? Right. And that's, and that's exactly right. It's like if a beige flag is, oh, it's so interesting that the guy I'm dating always orders for me and always has the last bite of whatever we want. Even, you know, even if I might be hungry, he never asked, but he's such a hungry boy. Okay. Now that could, at the end of the day, that's a beige flag that to me sounds more like a pink flag of someone who might be controlling. If he's always ordering for you, I don't need anybody to order for me. Do you? No, 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 no. I don't need anybody to order from me. And and someone who always eats the last bite without ever asking you like, hey, are you hungry? Do you mind if I eat this? Or I do want to eat this. Should we get another? It could be the sign of somebody who's selfish. Right. And, and that's sort of diving deeper behind something that you're noticing. So maybe it's instead of a red flag, which hopefully is beating you over the head, right? They're banging that red flag on your head. It's wrapped around you. <laughs> yeah, we hope. that's. We've talked about red flags quite a bit on this show, you and I. And I know you talk about them all the time with your clients. But you said something in there that's kind of reminding me of what I read um, in a Bumble survey is another sort of hot topic in dating right now is you said, you know, someone who's kind of bland or vanilla, like the date's vanilla or the person's vanilla, and I was reading about a phenomenon that Bumble called it anyway, called open casting dating. And they were saying that they found 52% of people in this past year are more open-minded about who they'll date. Now, that could be a taller person or a shorter person or a younger person or an older person or gender, you know, people of different genders than they've normally dated. But it could also be you know, I'm only going to date someone who gives me butterflies versus, eh, it was an okay date. It wasn't the most exciting date. What do you, what do you think about open casting dating? 
I love it. I mean, our motto at Smart Dating Academy has always been cast your net out wide because love will come to you in an unexpected package. I mean, if I look at my own husband and if somebody said, wow, what's your type when I was in my 20s? He wasn't, I'd say, well, I want someone who's tall. I had always dated blondes that were over six feet tall. My husband is five foot six when he spikes his hair up, right? And (laughs) we had been friends for six years, okay? Not your normal thing. He didn't give me butterflies. I once told my dad, and he's like better than a girlfriend, right? He's just like, I can tell him anything. And my dad was like, I can't imagine how you can be that close to friends with the guy. I'm like, he's not a guy. He's like having a girlfriend. And now I'm married to him. Okay, so... When we're talking about casting your net out wide, that, to Susan's point, could be so many different things. It could be someone who is shorter than you. It could be someone you've known for a long time. And maybe you'll have a a Belagandi lightning bolt moment going, huh, I think I might have a crush on my best friend who's been amazing. Or maybe he has a crush on me. Maybe this is worth exploring, whatever that is. But casting your net out wide is so great because love always comes in an unexpected package. Susan, did you expect when you got remarried or when you were, you know, a single flashy, you know, rock star attorney, did you imagine marrying the person you married? I mean, not at all. And if you look at my first husband and my second husband, I don't think you could find two people who who are more different. And I, I will say that that is true amongst most people that I know, at least with two marriage, you know, people who I either see people who have married the exact same person and they have the exact same problems um, or hopefully more what I was lucky enough to find, which is someone who's vastly different from the person that I was attracted to the first time. And I think that's something I've heard you say on this show before um, is butterflies. And and this shocked me the first time you said it, because I, we all want the butter or we think we want the butterflies in our stomach, right? Mm -hmm. Well, there were no butterflies and you say butterflies aren't, aren't a good thing. Butterflies are typically bad. Now, I'm not talking about the little bitty butterflies that you might get before you get on Susan Guthrie's podcast or you go on Good Morning America or you're going to give a presentation to your boss at work. Not That just sort of means, hey, I'm alive. I care about what I'm doing. Right. I'm talking about those seismic butterflies that make your stomach flip over. The more and more you get to know this person, the more you're like, oh, my God. And we think it's butterflies. And I know because I was the queen of dating guys like this when I was in college. Like Bella liked the bad boys. I like the bad boys. And if my stomach flipped over when he called or just thinking about him, what I now know, ladies and gentlemen, is that's anxiety. It's not excitement. It is your intuition and your gut saying, hey, girl, bad news bears. No, thank you. Okay. And that's what that is. And I thought it was, here we go. And it's actually, it's your gut saying something's wrong. Get the hell out, put your Nikes on and go. And until you realize that difference and, you know, people will say, well, my so-and-so gave me butterflies. I'm like, okay, that's great. How is your current relationship? I had a woman once say to me, my husband still gives me butterflies. I was like, 
wow, I give it three years. Let's see what happens. I'm not sure those are butterflies. Maybe the butterflies are like what we were talking about at the top of the episode with the the red flag maybe hitting you over the head. Maybe it's the red flag hitting you in the stomach. It was the red flag because I saw her husband at a cocktail party who was cozying up to a couple of other women. So I was like, oh, get where your butterflies are coming from. It's anxiety if your husband still gives you butterflies. So I know it's controversial, but just trust me on this one. And the more and more I've been saying this for 14 years and people have disagreed. And now if you look at the work of a lot of prominent psychologists, they're saying butterflies are anxiety. I I love that you say there's the cute little happy butterflies and then there's these bigger, you know, they're more like those moths that, yeah, that you see at night, those really big ones that are kind of scary that get in your hair. They're bats. They're like bats. (laughs) They're bats. Stay away. They're not butterflies. They're bats. (laughs) Invented here today on Divorce and Beyond. (laughs) Stay away from the dating bats. (laughs) Amen. Amen. There's another hot topic. Bats or butterflies. There's a there's a headline for a new t- for a new episode. See, you guys were ahead of the curve on divorce and beyond. You always are when you talk to Bella. You know, another thing you mentioned to me, and I think it's so perfect for where we sit as we're taping this episode because we're right at the back to school season. And you said there's a real trend of back to school, back to love. What's up with that? Well, if you think about it, you know, recent census data that I came across said that one quarter, so 25% of kids 18 and under are living with a single parent. Woohoo to you single parents, you are doing God's work. And it's the highest percentage on the globe at this point by a factor of three of most industrialized or non-industrialized countries. So what does that mean? June, July, August are like, oh my God, the kids are home. What do I do? And if you're single parenting, you know how hard that is. And when Labor Day rolls around and Johnny and Jeannie are back in school, it's like, oh my gosh, thank goodness the summer's over. So what we tend to see is that single parents can breathe again and they start to think about their own dating lives and getting back on the apps. Okay, listeners, I'm just gonna let you all know and admit it. After a long day at work helping people to navigate divorce, I currently like to unwind with a little bit of binge watching. And right now, Amazon's Prime Video is my channel of choice. We are watching Jury Duty at the moment. I highly recommend it, it's hilarious. And queued up right after that is the latest season of Jack Ryan. So if you wanna try out Prime Video for free, I've got a 30-day trial just for you. You can go to divorcebeyond.com backslash prime dash video, or just find the link in the show notes. And if you have some recommendations, be sure to let me know. Stay tuned for more from the amazing Bella Gandhi on everything you need to know about the hottest topics in dating right now. We're not on a date to win. We're on a date to connect. A date is not a place where you want to exercise how much you know and how right you are. It's like, well, I don't think that song was released in 1985. I think it was actually 1983. Let me Google it. Okay, date over. 
If you are enjoying this episode, be sure to check out last week's show featuring our favorite parenting expert, Christina McGee, as she shares her insights on how to make back-to-school work for your kids, even in the midst of a divorce. Wherever you are right now listening to this, I want you to really think about how old are your kids? You know, when you were that age, what was it like for you when you were getting ready for school? And then how do you want it to be for your kids? How can you really use it as a point of connection with your children? Join them in the excitement, reassure them, you know, help them be really feel prepared for this new school year because that has such an impact. And now we return to today's show. By the way, I just want to say to all you parents out there, if you're one of those parents who's like saying goodbye to the kids as they get on the bus on that first day of school and you're running back into the house and like plopping down on the couch going, thank God. Thank God. You're welcome to all of us. Yeah, exactly. You are not alone. That is, that is one. It's wonderful to have them home. It's wonderful to have them go back to school. Right. And I love love you. Bye. Yeah. (laughs) I love that idea of, especially for those of you out there who might be in your first either separated or post-divorce, you know, back to school season. We just did the episode with Christina McGee last week about, you know, the whole thing for the kids and what it's like to go back to school from two homes. But the reality is, is now you might be a single parent in your own household alone and your kids have gone back to school. And here's a positive. You can put a little time and effort into dating again, putting a little, you'll have a little more free time. If your kids are with their other parent certain days of the week, you might actually have some time to to get back out on those apps and, and go meet someone for coffee or dinner, or whatever Bella says you should do for that first date. I think it's a video date, actually, guys. Do a video date. You're right, Susan. Absolutely. If you're a single parent and you're listening to this, don't rush out to hire a sitter because you're having a good message exchange with somebody, right? And you know, even if somebody sets you up on a date, do a video chat. My clients have eliminated the majority of their disappointing dates by utilizing video. At first, they're like, it's so awkward. We're out of COVID. Why do we need to do video? I'm like, because your time is your most precious commodity. And if you do a 15 to 20 minute video chat with somebody, it takes what was formerly two-dimensional, maybe some pictures, some words on an online dating profile, and suddenly you're watching this person move. You're watching how they talk. You're watching their energy. You're making sure nobody was serenoing their messages, that you're actually dating the person who you thought you would be. You can see what their background looks like. Make sure that they don't look cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. So video dating is an amazing pre-qualifier. And now if you're a single parent, I have my single parents pick a night when Johnny and Janie are in bed, or maybe they're out if they're teenagers like mine and stack a couple of video dates back to back. Let Don't make them any more than 30 minutes, but use that time to your advantage. Yeah. You know, maybe that's one of the The good things that came out of the pandemic, I'm always telling people that, yes, it was a very difficult time, but in many ways, we picked up some some new positive habits and trends. And one thing, you just said that they didn't Cyrano it, right? Cyrano de Bergerac, everybody, if if you're wondering what the heck we're talking about, go back and remember your high school literature courses, but... That made me think, and and this didn't come up in any of my research for this episode, but I wonder, 
chat GPT and dating profiles. What's up? It's got to be getting used, Bella. I'm sure it's getting used. The issue is if chat's writing your profile, do your writing skills match chats? <laughs> okay. And that's a problem for a lot of people. Does chat get your voice right? I mean, I think give it a couple years, it's probably going to be uncannily good right now. It's still a little stilted. Um, I would really review things if you said, hey, chat, I like blueberries and long walks on the beach. And, you know, I've got a golden retriever. See what chat winds up for you. Don't just blanket use it if it doesn't sound like you. Because people draw, they, they built fantasies, you guys, of the photos that we post and the words that we choose. So you don't want someone to feel like, huh, who is Cyrano? Basically, your ghostwriter that wrote your profile because the person messaging me doesn't seem like that person. So be careful of that. Watch out how you're how you're using that chat GPT. And I will tell everyone, you know, in my other day job, I actually am a legal technology expert and I train people on using chat GPT in their business and in their practice. But I will tell you one thing to know that one of the exercises we always do in my trainings is go to ChatGPT and ask it to write your bio. And almost 100% of the time, it writes a very nice bio for someone you have never met before in your life because it's certainly <laughs> not you. It told me that I'd written eight books and I had three grandchildren and I, it made me sound brilliant. I think I went to Harvard or Cambridge or something like that. I wish, but no, not true. Um, and so, you know, if you really want to be clear, you can use it to, to zhush up your profile maybe, but I agree with Bella 100%. You want things to be in your own tone and your own voice. So I think we'll hear more about it and more about AI um, as we go forward in, in everything, not just dating. But, and that's what I was, you know, you said something else in what we were just talking about because every time you and I have spoken about dating, anytime I talk to anyone about dating, we're always talking about the apps, right? Getting out on the apps. I was just out, my niece is 25, living here in Chicago. She's- a, She's such a cutie. Yeah, you know, she is a sweetie. I'm gonna see her later tonight. Hi, Katie. She actually ended up getting set up by one of her friends. And you just mentioned that, like you might get set up by a friend or a family member. So, you know, uh, you know, it's been a long time since I dated. Does that still happen? Do, do setups still happen? And, or is it only dating it's, or only apps? So setups can happen, but you have to be more proactive about them. I mean, back in the day, a hundred years ago, setups were how most cultures ended up getting their youth married, right? Like, okay, it was transactional. And today, as people move around so much more for jobs, we don't have those communities. So we rely so much on apps because, you know, it's like, you know, it's like you have a kid, your kid may go to New York to work and not know anybody. Your other kids in California, they don't have a network. So they get on Tinder or they get on Bumble. Setups can happen and be proactive about asking about them. Identify the people in your networks that are what I call super connectors. They are super extroverted. They have a lot of connections and they like connecting people. So for example, Susan would be a perfect 
super connector person. If I was out dating and Susan's one of my besties, I'd be like, hey, Susan, can you keep an eye out for me? And if you meet a great guy, I'm happy to go out with him. And now if I was a single person and Susan asked me, okay, Bella, that's great. I'll keep my eye out for you. What's your type? Okay. What I want you to think about saying is, Susan, anybody that you said I should go out with, I would just be grateful for a connection. I'm looking for someone wonderful. That's it. I love that. Really? That's it? Yes. That's it. Okay. Now I'm going to give you all a public service announcement. (laughs) As usual, there's some sort of uh, Aesop's fable to what I'm going to say, but truly I know a lot of people, the guy, for example, where I get my hair cut, he says to me, you know, Bella, I don't ever match make people anymore. I don't ever set people up. He owns a salon. He comes across hundreds of people on a weekly basis. And I said to him, why don't you set people up? You're so, you know, everyone. He's like, because one time, it only took one time, he set up a male client with the female client that he thought would enjoy each other. The next day, they both called him, screaming at him, saying, what on earth would make you think I should go out with him and her and vice versa? And he said, not only did they rip me a new one, but they both stopped coming to my salon. And I thought, that's so awful, first of all. And I don't know what happened on the date. And all I can tell you is this. He stopped matchmaking people for good, right? They clipped his wings on that. So if you ask somebody to match you up, even if it's not within your specs, even if the person ends up being 20 years older than you thought, three teeth less than you thought, whatever it is, talks two hours longer than you thought and doesn't give you a word in edgewise, when you go back to the person who set you up, please don't rip them a new one, okay? Don't take this personally. It's one of Don Miguel's four personal agreements, right? In the four agreements, don't take things personally. Your friend was coming from a place of love. They thought of you and they thought maybe this could work. Your friend had no idea how this person might behave on the date. This is not a reflection of you. This is not a reflection of you being not worthy of a good date. This is something that I want you to switch from your fear brain into your love brain and say, my friend Susan was so gracious to think of me to set me up with somebody. And if she's like, how was the date? You can just say, you know what? It was an interesting date. It was a good time. We're probably not a match, but I'm so grateful that you did this for me, right? And that's it. And you don't have to go into the swampy, icky story. Be graceful and gracious because every time we rip someone a new one, they stop matchmaking. It's like an angel loses their wings. Oh, and that's so sad, especially, and as you said, they're not, these are your friends. These are your family. These are people who know you and love you and want good for you and hopefully know a little bit about you. But, you know, they may know one aspect of a person and it may just not, I I like the way that you say that actually gets, it's just, I don't think we're a match. I like that. That is a very non-confrontational, just, you know, he was an ass or she was a jerk or it's just, I don't think we're a match, but I really appreciate your, your, you know, connecting the two of us. And, you know, if you think of somebody else, 
you know, let me know. You never, ever, ever know. I actually see, so you know, the story about how I met my husband, but I met him when a friend sent him to me as a client instead of a date. And I actually called that person up and yelled at them because how could you send me him as, as a client? You should have sent me him as a date. Thankfully it worked out anyway. I love this story so much. It's, it's all kinds of fun. And, and that's the other thing, right? You never know when that person's going to walk through the door. Um, you need to keep an open mind. And, you know, another thing that I wanted to hit on, I just wanted to get your opinion on it because it's been one of the hottest topics lately, let alone in dating, but I wonder how it's trickling down into dating or how you think it might. And that would be Barbie, of course, Barbie everything and something that they're calling the Ken effect. Men, starting to become more aware or hyper aware of the toxic masculinity and so societal misogyny, so to speak, I, I guess I'll call it, um, as, as it trickles into the dating situation. And I think it's something women, I think, have been aware of for a while. <laughs> uh, but things like Barbie, movies like Barbie and more just awareness around it has been growing. Do you think that will change dating as we go forward? I hope so. I think the less toxicity we all bring to dating, the better the dating world is, right? And I think that there's plenty of toxic masculinity. And frankly, there's plenty of toxic women out there as well. I work with male clients and I work with female clients. And so I do think that I love the awareness that movies, I haven't seen Barbie, full disclosure. Susan, you and I should go see Barbie. We should. I haven't seen it yet either. So the two of us should go together. The two of us are going to go and we'll give you a recap on Barbie in the next episode. I'm kidding. But well, no, no, actually, let's do it. We're coming on. We're talking about Barbie. <laughs> I love it. And, and I think that the more acknowledgement we have about toxicity and toxic masculinity. I think what what I want men to know is don't lose the chivalry. Don't lose the grace, right? But anything that's toxic, not good. Leave it at home. But be a gentleman. Be a nice guy. Be interested in her, right? You don't have to one-up everything she says. We're not on a date to win. We're on a date to connect. Right. And I think sometimes people forget that. And frankly, women can do the same thing, especially high-ranking women. We could just say attorneys, physicians, entrepreneurs, all of us that live in that quadrant that are, you know, we're good at what we do. And we become like, I want to be right. And a date is not a place where you want to exercise how much you know, and how right you are. It's like, well, I don't think that song was released in 1985. I think it was actually 1983. Let me Google it. Okay, date over. Forget about it. It doesn't The red matter. flag is waving. That's not beige, red, everybody. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I need to be right, and I'm super controlling. So don't do those things. And I think one of the things that Match has a Singles in America survey that they do every year. And one of the things that's correlated to what you're talking about with or Susan about toxic masculinity is people really being comfortable with talking about mental health and people embracing others that are in therapy. And it's okay 
to, you know, make a fun therapist joke in your profile, showing that you're invested in your own mental health, showing that you're invested in personal growth. So I love these trends that are happening in the world. And I love how they're having affect in the dating marketplace. Yeah, I I like that idea of this trickling into dating and relationships and communication. And it made me think in the episode you and I just did on the Smart um, Dating Academy podcast, where we were talking about the number one reason uh, that relationships broke down, that people reported. I'm not going to give that away. You guys go listen to the episode. But number three was the disproportionate burden of household chores that tended to fall along gender lines, even when we had two, you know, f- equally busy human beings in work and employment and able-bodied, et cetera. But women tend to bear far more of the household chores. That was number three, folks. So that's that, you know, another reason why perhaps we men need to take that step back. I like the idea of of women not just talking about some of these issues, but men doing that inward look. Before we leave, I do want to, because you had an episode, you did a series of mini episodes last week, and they're so amazing, but there was one that jumped out at me. I want to direct listeners to it. So I just want to tease them about it so they'll go listen because they'll get the full, you know, background on this, but you were talking about a common phenomenon. Many of my people out there listening may resonate with this. The best way to get over your ex when you're still, you know, you're still in it, you're still obsessed and you have something that's completely different from anything I've ever heard that you talked about in that episode. So give them a teaser for it. Yeah, it's, I will tell you, okay, that with my clients that have been grieving and are heartbroken in a relationship. You know, one of the first things we'll do all of the things like self-care, spend time with your elevator people, the people that elevate you, you know, rid your home of all of the things that this person gave you, get rid of photographs, right? Like burn the stuff, have a friggin' bonfire with all the the things, you know, if they gave you an expensive ring or something, you might want to take it to a pawn shop or send it to Worthy or do something like that. <laughs> don't, say, be, send it to Worthy. don't be silly. Don't be silly. Although I did a dating bonfire on the Steve Harvey show. We took a bunch of single women and we did like Steve's dating summer camp. And we told everybody to bring one object that they wanted to throw into the fire and why it was holding them back from dating. One woman did bring her engagement ring. And I was like, can you put something else? And she really said, no, I'm going to throw this into the fire. I was like, okay, I'm not here to stop you, but that might be a really great handbag. <laughs> Take it to a pawn Some nice shop, shoes but... to wear out on a good date. <laughs> right. Some Gucci boots yeah. or some great shoes, but really the most effective thing. And I read a study. Um, it was actually in the Atlantic magazine. If you don't read that, I love the Atlantic. And it talked about the best way to get over your ex is something called negative reappraisal. What does that mean? It means to make it real short and sweet, guys, make a list of all the bad shit that your ex did, okay? And I know so much of the time we're all like, let's focus on the positive. Let's be glass half full. Here, what happens when we are heartbroken or in grief, our sweet little brains 
go back to the fantasy land of the first four months of our relationship. And we overemphasize what's good and their good qualities. But remember, your ex is an ex for a reason. I don't know. What did they do? Did they cheat? Did they lie? Did they do any variety of terrible things? Make a list of those things and carry that list around with you. So every time you feel like, I miss Jimmy. No, Jimmy was a real jackass. And here's the 13 reasons why. And look at your list. Look in the mirror and say, Jimmy, you're an ex for a reason and get yourself out there and date. But it's incredibly effective psychologically because your brain will skew towards the positive to make you dredge through all that pain. Like, oh my God, remember when he did this and it was so amazing. That's not who broke up with you. Right, right. That's not who left you. That's not who cheated on you. That's not who abused you. Right. That person was, that's, this is Houdini. That person doesn't exist anymore. The good one from the beginning. Do your list of their bad qualities and let us know how that works for you. But that's what negative reappraisal is. You know, and I love the idea so much because the other thing I would say for that is, and keep it as a list of what you don't want. Amen. Because- Hallelujah, you're going to find the opposite. I tell you, I promise you people, if you know what you don't want, it makes it that much easier to find what you do want. And, and I'm a living example of that. So I'm going to link that. As I said, Bella did an entire mini episode on that on the Smart Dating Academy podcast. I will link to that as well as the episode that she and I did a couple of weeks ago about the number one reason that relationships fail. But these are your hottest topics in dating after divorce right now. Bella is kind coming back soon. When does, let's just give people a little teaser about um, peak dating season. When does peak dating season start and uh, what should they be expecting this year? Yeah. I mean, goodness, we're into September now. Peak dating season's not far away. It starts in December and the holidays and the upcoming New Year's resolutions push people back into, I want to find love. I want someone to kiss under the mistletoe this year. And so dating numbers on the app skyrocket 50 to 80%. So there's a lot to do between now and getting ready for peak dating season. So put your seatbelts on because it's going to be a great ride. It is. And you're going to start seeing Bella all the time on Good Morning America today and everything. Peak dating season is her busiest season. But so we got her early and we're going to get her early in peak dating season as well so she can help you all get ready for it. But hey, you're getting a head start right now in September. So let us know how it goes, everyone. Reach out to Bella or to me and let us know if you have any thoughts on what we talked about as some of the hottest topics in dating and if anything here helped you. And and Bella, as always, thank you so much for joining us on the Divorce and Beyond. Thank you for the honor of being on your podcast. I'm grateful. And I always love talking to you. Always. Thank you for joining me today on the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I hope you found some information and inspiration to help you on this journey. Please join me every Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for a new episode. And if you like the show, please take the time to subscribe and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. 
You can also find more information on the website at divorceandbeyondpod.com where you'll find links to the YouTube channel, transcripts of the episodes, and other bonus content. So I'll see you next week to help you move through your divorce and beyond.